is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk a little jazz basketball with Coach Chiesa coming up here momentarily. I'm sure Coach will have a list for us. Always does. <laughs> he always does. Love talking to Coach. Get his thoughts on uh, what to look for as the season comes to uh, a conclusion. In fact, isn't it crazy that Sunday's game against the Kings will be the final game of the year? Yeah. All so a week from today, we're talking about playoffs. That's right. Yeah, all the teams have, what, three or four games left? Is all. And we still don't know the time of Sunday's game, by the way, which is interesting. Wednesday's game has been bumped back a half an hour, by the way. They did Portland. say it'll all be within an afternoon window, that final game of the season. Now, that is the word I wanted to hear right Isn't there. Every, te- every, every team will play at the same time. Wow. Yeah, That's great. Is That's that great news. Is, that, is the reason for that? The so, reason being what? So that everybody will have an equal opportunity? I, I think that they'll all be off at the same time and not be able to say, well, we had to play till midnight on Sunday. Okay. And then, yeah. all right. Well, if you've got a week off, who cares? Play at midnight. Someone would say something. Yeah, I suppose. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, longtime jazz assistant coach. Our good friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa. What's going on, Coach? Guys, I'm doing well. Thank you. That is terrific. Thanks for joining us. Talk a little uh, Utah Jazz basketball. Bogdanovich, coach, Western Conference Player of the Week. What has he figured out? He's figured out uh, two things as far as that corner three, as far as shooting in rhythm, but also that mid-post game where once they will say once every six or seven possessions, he slides into the mid-block and uses his body strength and his uh, tenacity to play bully ball and go over the top. So with that said, this past week he averaged 29.3 points per game on shooting sizzling 62.3. Let's go even further. The last 10 games, he's averaging 24.8 points per game, 44.7 from three, and the last point is this, 51.9 field goal percentage. So that's what he's figured out, playing both inside and middle game. Gordy, what advice did you give players when they went into a shooting slump to get them out? Well, don't rely on your jump shot all the time. In other words, you want to be aggressive, but don't shoot yourself and worse than that, your floor mates out of the game. So, for example, uh, I'm over 5 right now in the game. Yeah, I always said to the players, keep being aggressive. Just don't shoot jumpers. Mix up your game. Drive the ball to the basket. Make a play. Make an action play. Run the floor. Get to the foul line. We can't wait for your jump shot to be rediscovered. So, I'm not saying don't shoot it. I'm just saying remain aggressive, but just change up your, 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 as far as your shot selection until you get the groove back again. Like you said, that's exactly what he's done. Very much, and, that, and it's been advantageous for himself. Also, uh, Gordon, he's really a great foul shooter, 88.7%. So when they bump him, whether it's a foul or not, he gets to their penalty line, and he's able to score points. And he's a terrific player. Let's not forget, last year, unfortunately, when the Jazz lost in the playoff series, uh, four games three to the Denver Nuggets, Bondanovich was not there. Let's fast forward. Now this year, he's here. Do the turnovers bother you at all? 
very much. Absolutely. There, there, those, many of them are on force. So those turnovers have to be just more measured, uh, less passing the ball into, uh, cl- into closed windows, I call it, and more just being slightly measured. I'm not saying be hesitant. I'm just saying is that against the, Ro- against, excuse me, the Rockets the other day, they, they had 11 steals, and they were aggressive. I get it. But also the Jazz had uh, just way too many bad decisions. So that's going to be um, – a problem if they continue. Even in that great game he had the other night, I mean, I think there were three turnovers on three straight possessions by Bogdanovich. It didn't really hurt the fact that he scored 48 points, but uh, it's still, it, it, you wonder a little bit because you see that out of him every once in a while. Very much. So you want to do that, that, that unbelievable mental part where you're aggressive, but you're your mind's under control as you have a fast ball in the lane or on perimeter. Whether you walk with the ball as far as a, a walking violation or you're shooting off balance or you're passing into traffic. is that So you want to be measured but still be under control. Did I just criticize a guy, Jake, who scored 48 points? Well, 48 yes. points was a career high, and it's how he got them. It was, that was an unbelievable performance by him against a really good team in the Denver Nuggets. And he, he was tremendous. Every big play they needed, he, he delivered for them. And that's why he really is a, a terrific player and that he plays to win. And he tries to play defense, and he's got some ruggedness about him. He has that Croatian toughness. And though in jazz basketball, he's very valued. Coach Chiesa is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. <clears throat> what can I do for the team come playoff time, Coach, when uh, Conley and Mitchell come back uh, with these other players? I guess uh, could the success without Conley and Mitchell give a confidence boost when those guys come back? Very much. Yeah, the answer is yes. But part of that narrative, Jake and Gordon, is going to be is that there'll be an element of slight adjustment. Because remember, as George Niang has played absolutely terrific, give me the hot sauce, and so has uh, Boyan Bondanovich and, uh, and Joe Ingles have been sensational all season, their roles will slightly be adjusted, slightly. So the question is that in jazz basketball, as their, as their roles are, uh, are going to be altered, can they fit in at the same um, aggressiveness and the same alertness as uh, Donovan comes back? Because Donovan is a major player, and Mike Conley's having an all-star season. So the answer is, yes, it can. But there'll be a, we'll see visually as far as uh, the lineups in both offense and defense, if they can really play with the same as far as togetherness. Gordy, back in the day when you were coaching with the Jazz, uh, how important was it for the team to win the Western Conference during the regular season, even though, you know, the the, the playoffs is uh, – I mean, that's where the real action happens. But what what is the advantage other than, you know, home court advantage or a favorable first-round matchup or something like that? Uh, about winning the conference? Well, it's a culture. What it does for you is that it establishes this culture of success in that through all the ups and downs and the rigors of an NBA season, that the team that won the conference championship or later on the NBA championship, they were able to overcome all these hurdles. So it's a milestone that once you, you, you achieve it, you can never take it away. And as far as the standings, the Jazz are a great home court team. They've for the last literally for four, uh, last thirty years, they've been dominant at home philosophically, and so I like the Jazz chances at home right now. Gordon, they're thirty-one and four, because 
they're going to win the conference championship. They're up two games on the Suns, and the Suns have some tough games left. So do the Jazz. The Jazz are playing uh, much better. So the Jazz have that home court advantage. It'll be advantageous during the playoffs. Steph Curry tonight, uh, Coach, uh, the Golden State Warriors, and Steph and Draymond and uh, don't have a lot of help with that Warriors team. But the way he's playing right now, is this uh, – well, this is such a cliche question, but is this as well as he's played in his unbelievable career? Correct. Very much. Yes, Andrew Zeps. He's having a once-in-a-lifetime year. Here's his quick numbers. Averaging 31.9 points per game, which is career high, 48.7 field percentage, 42.9 from three. And remember this, Jake, everyone's trying to stop you. So when you're shooting 42.9 from three, the defense schematically is trying to stop you from the second you get off the bus or if it's a home game, the second you walk into the arena. 91.6 from the foul line, so you can't foul him. But his thing about it also, his innate toughness, he's averaging a career high of 5.5 rebounds for a six foot three, we'll say, quote, skinny guy. And so this, he's played great, and he should be in the all-star. He should be in the MVP uh, conversation as far as getting votes. So when he's on the court, Jake, it's not his points and it's not his assist that tell the, the total story, but his impact on every Warrior possession. What he does, including a screen setting and being double teamed, that opens up the game for everyone else on his team. So they, he's an unbelievable um, player that makes his team better on every possession. And it's, he's been even better in recent games. I saw that he's uh, recently averaging 18, something like 18 threes a game or something, and yeah. he's making almost 50% of them. Very much. He's got it rolling. He's, a, he's the greatest shooter of all time. With Ray Allen being second and vastly underrated for yesteryear, Gordon, you know him, Mark Price. That these guys were absolutely gracious. You, you can debate all the other greatest shooters as far as the numbers, the metrics. But I'm just saying, besides the the actual arithmetic of it, as far as the, the eyeball test, and uh, Stephen Curry is the, is the greatest shooter of all time. Both catch and shoot, both off the dribble, and both when everybody's hanging on his shooting hand, he has this innate ability with a parking lot range to make shots over the top of really great defense trying to guard him. So how should the Jazz guard him? Okay, what you want to try to do is that you want to try to early double-team him, just early down the floor to get the ball out of his hands as a change-up. And then the second part of it, once you do that, you've got to be that the, the, the initial defender guarding him. You've got to stay and try to overplay defense and force him to elongate the catch much further out or his teammates panic and they forget about him on some of the possessions where they don't give the ball back to him. So that's what you want to do. You can't just play him one way. And, and Gordon, in the high pick and roll, um, your defense versus his offense, you've got to really try to stay in his body. You can't go under the screen or you can't try to switch on it because he's a great shooter versus switch defense. So the question visually right now, can Rudy Gobert, the Jazz switching that, can he guard Stephen Curry off the dribble? And the answer is what? No. 
Coach, I want to get your thoughts on the play-in scenario, the the kind of different way we're doing things in the NBA this year uh, with the you know, 1 through 10 being uh, eligible, in a sense, for the playoffs. LeBron was complaining about it the other day. We've heard uh, Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic complain about it, but uh, a lot of people seem to really like it. What do you think? Including I. I love it. I think it's absolutely great. So now, Jake, in the yesteryear, There'll be six or seven teams that didn't want to play from, uh, we'll say, late March on. And it was absolutely awful for the NBA. I wouldn't say that, uh, Gordon, I wouldn't say the coaches were. They used to ask Jerry Stone and Phil Johnson and I, are you guys playing to win tonight? Meaning what, in April? Because we're not playing to win. Oh, really? We're not going to play to win tonight in an NBA game? And so the learning point about that, let's fast forward it. Now, this with this, quote, mini tournament, there's literally... 10 or 11 teams that are playing to, quote, to win, including in the West right now, Jake. There will be the Lakers, Warriors, Grizzlies, Spurs, Pelicans, and believe it or not still, Jake, the Kings. And in the East, still playing, still playing, fighting, fighting, clawing, Celts, Hornets, Wizards, Pacers, and Bulls. And so I think it's great. And for the listeners right now on 1280 of the Zone, it's simply, if you're the seventh team, uh, comes a Sunday night at a, a 11 o'clock Pacific Coast time, seven hosts the eight. If you win that game, you're the seventh seed. If the eight beats number seven, you become the, the seventh seed as far as the playoffs, and the loser of seven eight will play the winner of nine ten at your home place. So the seventh or the seventh team meaning seventh seed, will get two home games to win to make the playoffs. So it's almost like an element of March Madness. Gordy, does Rudy Gobert shoot the ball enough? It seems like sometimes it's dependent on how he's being defended, but should he shoot the ball more? No. No, what he's that what he is, he's a dynamic rim roller. He sets the high pick and roll on a sprint screen and he rolls to the basket and he puts so much stress on the tag defenders. Rudy gets in trouble when he gets the ball because he has his high hips and angular body and he's able to get he's bumped off balance, you know, which all players are when you have that kind of body against good leverage defense. So what you want to do with Rudy He's a recipient scorer. He rim runs to the basket, and he's very effective at it. So Rudy's averaging uh, 14 points a game. A lot of it's by his teammates' goodwill, meaning passes, and that's who he is. And we, in jazz basketball, he's absolutely valued. Okay, so let me rephrase that question. Should the Jazz design more plays for him? No. No, what he is, again, what he, he's, a, he's a willing screener, screen assist, and he's a rim roller, and he's, he, uh, he's a secondary option versus being primary. I'd run more plays with Joe Ingles, because that guy, when that guy has the ball, Joe Ingles, only good things happen, whether it's the shot, whether it's the pass, whether it's ball movement, whether it's something's going on, just only positivity, that's Joe. So Joe, is the, Joe would, be, uh, would be my answer to that as far as running more plays. Coach, you have a list for us this week? Yes, we do. And, Jake, this list is based on tonight's game up in the, the Bay Area, but also, Jake, on Wednesday's game versus home. This is the NBA all-time leaders in Korea-made three-point shots, the top ten. Korea-made three-point shots. Out of the top ten, Jake and Gordon, 
we're just going to play against two of them, meaning what, tonight and on a Wednesday night, and this, the, both these guys are active. And the third, this, the, out of the top ten, there's three guys active, and there's only one lefty in the top ten. Right, here we go. Number ten, we were stake great. Damon Lillard's tenth all-time. He's made 2,035 made threes. Number nine, his nickname was The Truth. Paul Pierce has made 2,143. Number eight, his nickname was Jay Crossover. He made 2,221 triples, Jamal Crawford. Number seven, his nickname was called The Jet. He made 2,282, Jason Terry. Number, number six, his nickname was Vincenity, or Half Man, Half Amazing, Vince Carter. He made 2,293s. Number five, active, plays for the Brooklyn Nets. He's the only lefty on this list. He's made 2,441 and trending. He's hurt right now, though, James Harden. Number four, former jazz man, played with the Utah franchise for four years. He's, he made 2,450 made threes, Kyle Korver. Number three, TNT fame via Indiana Pacers. He made 2,560 made threes, Reggie Miller. Number two, the Jets are going to try to guard him tonight. In different looks, we mentioned earlier, he's made 2,819 threes, Stephen Curry. Also, he's shooting for his career for all those threes, 43.4% from threes. And the last one, I had the privilege to coach him when I was a coach at Seattle Sonics. His nickname was Ray Ray. He's made, he made 2,973s, Ray Allen. That's my list of uh, threes. I have a question for you guys. All right, you guys love math. What is the distance of the corner three in the NBA? 22-10. I'm glad you don't work for Nassau. 20, 20, 22. 22. I love it. All right. What is the distance of the NBA arc line three? 23-9. 23-9. You should work for NASA instead of working <laughs> for 12 of the zone, Gordon Munson, because you know your mathematics, unlike Jake Scott. Right. I just, I just stayed out of that. Jake pointed at me. I did. <laughs> see, I'm see, Jake. But also, getting back, just one, one more quick thing about Utah Jazz franchise. Of course, the leader in jazz history of most made threes is that Aussie gunslinger, Joe Ingles. He's made 986 made threes, shooting 41.6 Korea. So, Jake, if... If, he, if, if Joe Ingles gets uh, 14 made threes in the next four games, which is possible, he'll over 1,000 made threes, which is really a great tribute to a guy, uh, by the way, wasn't drafted. Yep. I still think he should shoot more. Okay, you, I like it. I, I like your enthusiasm very much, and he should, because he's, again, you want to shoot his measured threes where your, your footwork is down, and Joe's got that great rainbow arc to the basket where his shot starts on Monday and it gets there on Tuesday. That's <laughs> why he goes in. Versus rushing threes. Well, Coach, you're always a highlight of our Monday. Thank you very much, as always. Thanks, guys. Peace out. It's our friend, Coach Gordon Chiesa, joins us every single Monday. Uh, Austin found a little supplemental information about uh, Sunday's game, by the way, uh, Gordo. Uh, on Sunday's game, all 30 teams, that's 15 games, will play afternoon starting between noon and 3.30 Eastern time. 
So I would guess it means the Jazz will probably start at one thirty. And you'd like that. Oh, man, that's great. I, I, I truly enjoy the afternoon games. I don't know why they don't play more Saturday afternoon games. Yeah. Fun to come in the afternoon and sure. spill all those, uh, the you know, 19,000 fans out into the community, you know, spending money, doing all that stuff, come downtown. Yeah. like, And you don't have to clean the garage. And you don't have to clean the garage or the gutters or whatever else uh, is on your list of things that Gordon won't be doing. <laughs> <laughs> the things that Gordon hires somebody else to do. Oh, stop it now. <laughs> when was uh, the last time you cleaned the gutters? It's been a minute since I cleaned the gutters, admittedly. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update, presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. bell. All right, it's your bottom of the hour jazz update here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big news today, Boyan Bogdanovich has been named Western Conference Player of the Week for Monday, May 3rd through Sunday, May 9th, as the Jazz have now won four consecutive games. Uh, George Niang had a big night, 24 points against the Rockets uh, on Saturday night here at Vivint Arena. Uh, George says this team has certainly learned from past mistakes those games end up mattering where you dropped one early in the season to a team you shouldn't have dropped one to and now it's messing up with seeding so I think you know we really focused on that um, this offseason with you know coach really drilling attention to detail and I think that kind of simplifies it you know just having attention to detail knowing that this is a back-to-back you know guys legs are tired you know and getting out to a good start those things are important. Jazz back at it tonight. Still no Donovan Mitchell and no Mike Conley, but they'll take on Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7. This Jazz update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. You can't stop me now. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is your favorite Jefferson Airplane song, isn't it? Yes, it is. I love this song. So weird. What are they talking about? Alice in Wonderland. I know, but what are they really talking about? The children's story. The beloved children's story. Alice in Wonderland. No? I don't know. (laughs) You lived through. You lived through this time. You tell me. Uh, want to remind you about our friends at uh, Davis Vision. Spring, uh, their spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses to save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call today, 801-253-3080. 
at Davis Vision. You know, Jake, out of the goodness of his heart, Austin Horton gave me two Nature Valley peanut bars. Wow. Break. Generous soul, that Austin. Just out of the kindness of his heart. I mean, I didn't offer him any money, nothing. He just said, here. How poisoned were those? Uh... <laughs> the first one, no. The second one that's sitting there. Maybe. Depends on how this segment goes. Right. Should, I, should I give it back to you? <laughs> Watch yourself. There is some fine print that it says, by accepting this gift, you do owe me something. But I'll let you read that later. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll take you to dinner. Yeah, for sure. You uh, you mentioned the the what what do they call that uh, the meaning of songs you know the the uh, what's the proper term Gordon what a song really means uh, a subliminal the symbol message? the, the symbolism of it or whatever you know what I'm saying not an allegory isn't that religious no but anyway an allegory isn't necessarily religious uh, something that's allegorical I thought that anyway point being uh, you know what my my daughter's favorite song is uh, what? right now like loves it loves it. Puff the Magic Dragon. Yep. It's her, like, <laughs> she she went to school, uh, and uh, her, her teacher, she she drew a picture of Jackie Paper. She uh, she talked about it to her teacher all day long. In fact, when I dropped her off, I, she was saying something about Puff the Magic Dragon. I said, oh, yeah, that's our favorite song now. And her teacher goes, like, yeah, I know. She, she talks about it a lot. I was like, oh, well, that's nice. What's going on at home? Well, I hope that's not what her teacher thinks. That's why I was bringing it up to you. Is it, 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 should I be judged? She's just a fan of Lagoon. But this is a she, yeah. she likes that roller coaster. This is a song about a boy and his dragon. Wait, uh, wait that, a that De Niro was right on. Hold on. Is there is there a riot at Lagoon called? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's called Puff the Fire Dragon, but it, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It, they had on. to avoid copyright issues there. But yeah, yeah. It's, so they, it's they like kept the, Puff but got rid of magic. It's the it's like the kid coaster. It's like your intro to roller coasters, if you will. Okay, so apparently Peter, Paul, and Mary have uh, have uh, denied that this has any kind of message about puffing. And- well, truly, it is a song about uh, a, a magic dragon, his relationship with a boy. However, there are... Uh, uh, there are some coincidences, if <laughs> that you, was not intentional. Austin, what's your interpretation? No, it's not about a dragon and his boy. It might be about a boy and his dragon, but his dragon is not the traditional dragon you think of when you think of the word dragon. Well, I mean, there are some coincidences. I mean, the name Jackie Paper, for example, or visiting yeah, Cherry. That's, a, that's just a coincidence. <laughs> or visiting Cherry Lane. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's, just, that's just coincidental, no? But, but I'll tell you what, Sadie loves it. Absolutely loves Does it. Does she like a horse with no name, too? I we haven't gone into it. She hasn't heard much America. Uh, now, America quite, yeah. always claimed that that had nothing to do with a horse, uh, like you might think. But Peter, Paul, and Mary have a children's album. It's called Peter, Paul, and Mommy, which I have, and that song is on it. What is the most egregious, quote-unquote, drug song of them all? Well, now they don't really mask it all that well, Yeah, uh, Gordon. Uh, like uh, Ben Harper's Burn One Down doesn't have a whole lot of... <laughs> Yeah, Afro Man's, uh, uh, what is technically the, the title of this song? Because I Got High. Because I Got High. Well, that pretty well spells it out, doesn't it? This song is funny. I mean, there's there's real no hidden meaning on yeah. this song. I mean, like uh, the it, uh, Mr. Tambourine Man or whatever by Bob Dylan was supposed to be about drugs, you know? They, they just, they're not that creative about it anymore. Lucy and the Sky with Diamonds? 
Every Beatles song, really. Those hacks. Why? <laughs> anyway, my three, on life, my three and a half year old really loves Puff the Magic Dragon. Should I be embarrassed when she tells people? No, you should be I really proud. I am proud. I don't know. I mean, it may be an indication of what's going on at home. I, people wow, might. more more indictments on my parenting. No, no, You'd no. have to be high to try and fly a kite without wind. <laughs> Again, let's not go back down that road. Her other favorite song is Sugar Sugar by the uh, by the Archies. That's a great one. Yeah. She still loves... Uh, it's about cocaine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sugar <laughs> The Archie's singing the, about cocaine. What's the deal with these drug songs in your household? I don't know. I don't know, man. Anyway. All right. Uh, <laughs> this has been a very productive is that, segment. Is sugar, sugar? Is that the one, honey, honey? Yeah. yeah. You are my candy girl. That 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 type of thing. Yeah. I You know, I, I find <laughs> songs and their meanings rather interesting because... If no one can figure out what the song really means, then what's the use of it? Well, I don't know, Gordon, but you should examine the whole poetry world if this is your opinion. <laughs> I remember taking AP English and there was a whole poetry section where you had to interpret what the heck these maniacs were meaning by their words. And it's like, how do you know that? Well, that represents love and, and uh, Mother Earth. It does? <laughs> I, I think, yeah, but authors sometimes uh, enjoy the ambiguity of it all. They yeah. like they like different. I remember Hemingway talking about that with the old man in the sea, saying he liked people drawing different conclusions out of what they were reading. You know, some said the uh, what was the guy's name? Was it Diego or something? what was the guy's name? Oh, an old man in the sea. Yeah. Some thought it was a Christ figure. Some thought it had they had all kinds of different meanings. They were drawing from it. Um, I, I've tell, told you before. I did a report back when I was in school about uh, Tolkien's The Hobbit and what came thereafter, and whether that was allegorical or not. And uh, that, that's the conclusion I came to: that if if nobody knows what it means, then you got to take it for what it is. For every atom belonging to me, as good belongs to you, I loaf and invite my soul. I lean and loaf at my ease, observing a spear of summer grass. That's about marijuana, Walt Whitman. You're not fooling anybody. Was pot rampant back in Walt's day? You ever read anything about Walt? Mm-mm. He, his favorite song was probably Puff the Magic Dragon, too. <laughs> what uh, what are we talking about? That was from his, Leaves of Grass. He was, That's the name of the collection. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, things can be misinterpreted at times. Sure. Like the time on our show I said I love grass. That's I was, not what you said. I, I was talking about the, the, you know, playing surfaces. Uh-huh. And that can be misinterpreted, you know. Well, writers are weird. I've come to that conclusion a long time ago. President, I'm a sucker for grass. Present company included. Have you ever read anything by William Faulkner? You can't yes. tell me that guy wasn't <laughs> uh, doing something. All of the stuff. Uh, all all ev of it. Everything. We yeah. had a buffet. By the way, when was Walt Whitman, what, what were his years? From when to when? Uh, Leaves of Grass published in 1855. Mm. Uh, so I'm, but I don't know about he himself. I can tell yeah. you. William Faulkner was eating lead paint for dinner. I mean, that. <laughs> Whitman passed. Whitman passed in 1892. So. All right. And, and Faulkner, 
Faulkner knew all the things about all the drugs. I didn't know Whitman and Gordon were in the same generation. When, yeah, I mean, I was young. <laughs> Faulkner, when, what was his uh, date right. of birth yeah. uh, from uh, when to when? Let's see. I've always Googled. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Good to see some things never change. 1919 to 1962 for old Bill. Oh, right. oh he, did. he was not old when he passed. Eating lead paint will do that to you, I guess. <laughs> How about that? All right. Don't eat too much candy, kids. Good times. We've got a market update coming up next. Mannix at 4. Not Sportsport at 4.50. Oh, boy. Can't wait for that. Yeah. I bet you've missed it. I you? have missed it. What's going on at 5? Stay tuned. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? So would I. That was the subject of a, of a conversation. All right. Was this the airplane or the starship? This is still airplane, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we'll just forget about the starship years. Let's just pretend that didn't happen. Well, they did blast off at some oh, point. Jeez. All right. It's time for a market update brought to you by our friends at TryDayTrading.com. Now, anyone can be a day trader. Visit TryDayTrading.com. How do we do today, Gordon? Well, there's been mostly good news over the past little while. All right. Not today. Not today. Bit of a downer, huh? Not not horrible. Well, I mean, the Nasdaq suffered, but let me start with the Dow. The Dow was uh, down thirty, almost thirty-five points. Holy smokes! That's terrible. <laughs> the Nasdaq was down over three hundred and fifty points. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Is he calling a basketball game there, or is that a life or death situation? I, uh, the S&P off 44 points. Hit by Chandler, they don't call it. you got to be kidding me. So that's it. You know, David hasn't gotten after the officials this year as much as he has in the past. Ever since that <clears throat> Christmas card came from the big office, yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, he's, he's <laughs> not quite been so critical. Is that the right word? Uh, yeah. Uh, preoccupied, concerned. Concerned, yeah. Concerned, concerned is a good one. <laughs> He's uh, redirected his passions. Maybe it has to do with the fact that the Jazz are winning so much this year. Maybe. it's This This is actually several years that Locke has tried to train himself to go away from this, but I won't let people forget. I've got a whole catalog. <laughs> well, because they're amazing, and oh. particularly for the, the market update there. They're extraordinarily <laughs> useful. There's a foul. They don't call it. They don't call him here. Johnson grabbing Rudy Gobert, and he gets the offensive rebound. How many nights can we get screwed? How many times? I like that his voice is giving out. That's the best part of that one. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. Oh, man. Uh, quick story for you, Gordon. We've got Mannix coming up at 4 o'clock. Uh, looks like Tim Tebow is going to sign a deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, a one-year contract expected to sign this week or next week to play tight end. Remind me who the head coach is of the Jags. I forgot momentarily. Your guy, <laughs> Urban. Or know, or uh, to his friends, Mr. Shell Bellmeyer. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, have an opportunity. He's a fine athlete. How old is, is he? He's, how he's old 33. Is um, 
Well, I suppose there will be quite a bit of focus on that to see how he does. See, here's the thing. If Tim would have just swallowed his pride and become a tight end yeah. a decade ago, yeah. he wouldn't be in a circumstance where he has to beg his way onto his, <laughs> the team of his old coach. I don't. Has he made a lot of money just being Tim? Uh, being a, what, double-A baseball player <laughs> in the Mets organization and a some-time contributor to the SEC network? I mean, he's probably not starving, but... His speaking uh, appearances are hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, that's true. So, yeah, he's probably not hungry. Maybe he has a gambling problem. I don't know. <laughs> what? Where'd that come from? Well, why else would he be doing this if he didn't need the money? Because Urban talked him into it? Oh, there's uh, it's definitely the other way around. You really think that Urban sought out Tim Tebow and said, Hey, Tim. <laughs> this is key. Take sure. a couple of Tylenol and come out and catch some passes for us. <laughs> You know, do you think Tim came to Urban and said, Urban, you know, I did you a few favors back in the day? Urban, I need to play. <laughs> I need to make money. I, I was uh, flailing away uh, in the uh, Mets uh, farm system. But I, I honestly just don't understand. I get it that there is a pride in being QB1. But, you know, honestly, if you were Tim Tebow and could uh, – adjust and play in a new position and have a long career in the NFL. I don't understand why not doing that. But on the other side... Especially since the tight end position has become... There's there's some superstars there, yeah? Yeah. But then again, you look at Taysom Hill, who did the same thing and has held on as a quarterback all these years, and he might have a chance at it. So maybe maybe I'm the one who's wrong. But it seemed to me, if I were Tim Tebow, I would have swallowed this pill a long time ago. Yeah, I would have as well. Listen to this line from the USA Today about this signing. Uh, uh, oh, to have the blind self-assurance of Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer. This just shows how large their egos are and how little they really know. Who said that? I agree with that. Wait, wait, who said that? Uh, Nancy Armour of USA Today. Uh, well what said. makes What makes Meyer and Tebow think an NFL reunion won't be a disaster? What, what, what makes her so sure that it will be? She says Tebow was a bust as an NFL quarterback, shipped out of Denver, even after winning a playoff game, blah, 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 blah. He hasn't played a regular season NFL game since 2012. Well, there is that. Well, but th- hasn't I, been in the league since 15. And here's the thing. You, you can't tell me that there's not a 20-something tight end out there that is better than Tim Tebow at that position. You're pulling a 33-year-old off the couch? Then she says this about Mer- Meyer. He's a tremendous coach. But he has always believed he knows more than he does, and he has a history of letting his personal feelings influence his thinking. This looks like the worst combination of both. I I think it's totally an arrogant move. I absolutely buy that. It shows how little they really know and how large their egos are. Uh, Give this woman the Pulitzer. Yes. Wait, do you think Urban Meyer really doesn't know? Uh, know. The NFL game? Yeah, I think he, he thinks he's smarter than everybody else out there. Well, yeah, but maybe he has a good idea. What's the matter with that? So you're saying for the past six years, general managers have just been too dumb to realize that (laughs) the next Tony Gonzalez is Tim Tebow? Let me remind you of something, may I? It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, 
whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, Jake, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I was waiting for the uh, the other thing, the guitar thing, or whatever that was. Oh, and and what were you reading there? That's that's ten. <laughs> Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt's famous quote. Okay. The man was, in the that arena. Was, that was Teddy, huh? Yeah. And that's what Urban would be saying to us right now? Is that the tie-in? Yeah, I don't know yeah. the tie-in. I'm a little confused. Yes. I mean, here, here you got Tim Tebow who's doing something out of the ordinary, who's trying to make an effort, and all these critics coming out saying, ah, this shows you how arrogant and how, how little they know. He hasn't played since 2012. Oh, that is a strong point. <laughs> That's nine years. Yeah, but he's been he's been playing baseball. Oh, has he? I think and, he's been on a baseball team and shaking down companies to pay him to come <laughs> to watch him pray. Don't you love people? Oh, oh, cut the man's legs out from under. Don't you? Don't you love people who come up with you know like uh, a motivational tripe and then say, hey. <laughs> You know how you become Tim Tebow? Well, listen to all this uh, hot garbage that you're going to pay money for. Do uh, motivational speakers bother you? How so bother me? Just, just all that, all that kind of baloney they sell. Jake does not care for affirmation no, and motivation. It's, it's, yeah. No, it's it's not really my thing. But I get trying to motivate like your team, like that sort of thing. I just I I, I roll my eyes at a lot of it. Yeah. Well, I was doing this uh, self-deprecation-wise because, yes, I am a critic. So I, I'm the one who does not know victory nor defeat. All right, we've got Chris Mannix coming up I'm next. I'm dragging you down with me. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 <laughs> The Zone.